Welcome back to the number one podcast in AC soccer coverage games. That's right. I'm going to go bold and say that we are just that. It is Inferno Soccer Insiders with myself, Edwin Perez, and my co-host, as always, Jerry Walker, where we give you all your AC soccer needs and, and podcast versions. So, Jerry, you know, we got to start off our typical way. How are you doing, brother? I'm pretty good, but you said we're the best podcast for ASU soccer. Are we the only podcast for ASU soccer? Uh, yeah, we are that. So that's why I think my claim is very fair. So I'm invalid. So, I mean, that also means any ASU soccer stuff, we come here to listen absolutely. to. And I think I can even go as far as any any ASU soccer, co- I mean, ASU coverage teams. We may be the best podcast. And I think we're only competing with one. So hopefully they don't see this and come, come at us. But don't worry about that. Uh, but yeah. You know, yeah, go ahead, Jerry. I was saying back to your question. Yeah, I'm pretty good. It's Thursday or Wednesday. We got a couple days until the weekend. We had a long weekend last week. Not a great result on Sunday for ASU, but a better result earlier in the week. And how about you? How's your week doing? How you doing? Great, man. Uh, as you mentioned, we're, we're getting busy. We had a Labor Day, you know, long weekend, which sometimes is great, but, you know, sometimes it's packed, so you don't get to chill as much. But uh, we, we did add some depth to our, our soccer coverage team, which will be Maybe talking about a little bit later. Maybe we tease that into it. But, yeah, we got some uh, new members, so we can't complain. We we got depth. AC Soccer always says they have depth. We added m- more depth into our side, which I know Jerry's a little excited about. <laughs> uh, let, let's talk about this first game. Um, obviously, AC Soccer, you mentioned it was a, a bit of a tough weekend for them. You know, we typically like to talk about the wars that they received, but no players received the wars because, obviously, a lot, a lot of teams, including Stanford, had a great weekend. So that's nothing against ASU soccer. But they start off the weekend pretty uh, well with the 4-2 win. But it was a very uh, disappointing kind of feeling after that win. You know, Graham Winkler kind of talked about how he was more disappointed in, in the way that they played. The defensively, there was some missed assignments, not going back on time and all that. So, Jerry, when you look at this game, what do you take away, and are you as disappointed as as the players and coach were in, in this uh, whole match? I mean, you, you obviously want to get the win first and foremost. So getting the win, you are obviously happy about that. But if it's not a perfectly played game or you don't enjoy the way that ASU is playing this game, I personally didn't, have, didn't see anything wrong with it. I thought ASU played a pretty good game. Nicole Douglas had another hat trick. I think that's her second on the season. I believe but, so. I think Graham's just looking for that perfection. And he knows like they're so close last year making the tournament. It's just that little, that next step, just you got to, to get going into that next level. And no, absolutely. I think a lot of good teams will, will get wins in their ugly matches where they don't feel that they were performing their best, whether that be on attack or defensive end. So a team like a team uh, for the Sun Devils to be come out with a win in a match that they didn't feel happy about or felt disappointed in is, is not a bad thing. It kind of shows that even if they're not having their best days, they can still pull out results against teams that they should. That's no disrespect against CSUN and what they're doing. Obviously, they made it a game. I mean, they got the first goal. Don't get me wrong. They they definitely challenged the Sun Devils more than I think a lot of people expected heading into this one. But uh you're the Sun Devils. You just made the tournament. You you have a lot of returns. You have a lot of experience, and I think the expectations are risen. So when you're facing a, a when you're facing an opponent like this, especially with LSU on on the hinges, 
you got to come out and perform very well. So I think they, uh, well, excuse me, they got to get the win. Performing well was a, a different situation that I think Graham Winkworth would disagree with if I said that they uh, performed well, but they were able to get the win at the end of the day. You know, even with the struggles, I know uh, Graham Winkworth was uh, discussing how a lot of these attacking players need to go back on their defensive roles because it's a whole team effort. Even with Nicole Douglas, uh, Graham Winkworth mentioned she was, he was a bit disappointed in her her not helping out defensively or coming not coming back as much as he would like her to because, you know, her role is more than just that number nine. But you look, you look at all of that. The Sun Devils got the win at the end of the day, but there's still some concerns. And I, I, I kind of want to pose this question on to you, Jerry. I believe this is the third time they conceded the first goal in a game this season. How much of a concern is that? Because we mentioned it earlier in the season, and now it's it's popping up again. How much, how much should the Sun Devils be worried about that? I mean, whenever you give up the first goal, obviously you're already behind and you need to now come back. It, on that aspect, I guess it shows how resilient and this ASU team has been fighting from behind. But against teams that you might not get chances to score four or five goals in a game where the game could end up being 1-0 or 2-1, you don't want to be giving up those early leads and having to fight your way back and claw your way back into the games. You want to kind of go out there ahead of time and set your own tone and not have to chase the other team around. Especially when you're facing teams like LSU, who you knew were, uh, I'm not saying that they conceded first, because that's something we'll get to discuss a little bit. But when you're facing te teams of the caliber of LSU, you do not want to give up goals first. So you kind of have to lock that down and start off better. I mean, with the goal, it kind of opens up the game for some of those. And we saw it here. I mean, they gave up a goal. And then they went on a few unanswered goals before CSUN responded. So you have to start off better, especially if you're hoping to do similar to what you did last year in Pac-12, which is a big ask. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to do exactly that, but if you're gonna, if you're going to try to repeat the results that you did last year, you cannot be conceding the first goal. Because let me tell you, teams like C, uh, teams like USC and UCLA will not give you opportunities like CSUN did. So that that is something that they need to be aware of. But I think another highlight for me about this uh, of this game and maybe a shining moment for the Sun Devils was Kennedy Mayo getting her first goal as a Sun Devil. I think something that intrigues me about this team, and maybe you uh, you saw that uh, on Sunday in LSU, is Graham likes to go with his starting eleven in the first in the first what let's say thirty minutes, and then he puts on a combination of Kennedy uh, Kennedy Mayo and Dave Williams for sure, and sometimes he likes to bring in Kaylin Johannes, the freshman. And those three come in and kind of change up the game for the Sun Devils. If there's lacking the spark on attack, they, they, they find that spark. And they, they typically do well uh, together, but they also help out a lot defensively. So I think, I think that combination has been a great little sub-trio that, that Graham has found and something that's been effective uh, early on in the season. I think we're going to continue to see it because it's something that has caught my eyes in the first few games and has continued that trend. So I don't know if you've seen that at the games that we've been at. Yeah, no, I've seen it a, a couple of the other games, and it was the same again on Sunday against LSU. Kaylin Johannes, Johan, Johannes? Yo, I believe it's Johannes. I apologize if we're messing up oh, my name, yeah. but I believe it's Johannes. Yeah. yeah, she's playing plenty of minutes, a lot of minutes, a lot more than I'd seen her play all season prior. So that just shows how comfortable Graham is putting these other players in, and to the point, the three you've mentioned, her, Kennedy Mayo, and... Day Williams, they all got decent amount of playing time on Sunday. Exactly. And I think 
that that trio has been the when Graham Wynch mentions having great depth, I think it's been that trio. I mean, there's all, obviously other players like Kiki Story who's filled in that Alexis Delgado role and all that we can go into, but you mentioned it there. That that trio has been effective and it has worked. So I think that's the depth part that they're talking about. And that's something that has been one of the positives early on because, I mean, early on in the season, I, uh, it's more of about getting the wins against a lot of these non-conference matchups, but uh, kind of figuring out what your squad's going to look like come Pac-12 and making sure that you have the right people and uh, playing the right minutes. I think that's exactly what they found out with this team, with those players off the bench. And I still think they're trying to figure out stuff like Talia Herman Watts at the wing backs, who's going to fill in those roles when Jess Hill or Lucy Johnson are not there, who's going to be that number nine, which I think obviously uh, when Nicole Douglas is not on the field, it's going to probably be Olivia Curse Thomas. And we've seen her play quite a few minutes when uh, Nicole Douglas is off. But I, as the season goes on, I think Nicole Douglas's minutes will be added on even more. So you have all that kind of balancing in the hinges. So that'll be something to look forward, you know, moving forward about who who's going to get those minutes and who's that team going to look like. But I mean, I think the Sun Devils found out a lot about themselves come Sunday in their first loss, because I mean, as much as you can have those lopsided wins, I think you learn more in your struggles and in your defeats. So Jerry, you're there for a five to very, uh, it was a very even stats wise, but obviously it was it heavily favored LSU at the end day with five two. What was your takeaways being there at the game? I mean, it was a really really quick start. Three goals in the first eight minutes. ASU takes the lead with a good goal from Olivia Nguyen, and then less than a minute later, like we were talking earlier about how ASU's given up goals early and going down early, concede right back, and it's just another one of those things that they give up two goals early and have to now chase back against a good LSU team that's proven they could do it on the road earlier in the season. And it was just ASU couldn't find the back of the net. It was one of those games that you have all the shots in the world. You have good shots. I know Ava Van Dersen missed a penalty as well. Ended up scoring a great goal to redeem herself. But there were, there were chances. This very easily could have been a five-all game, if not an ASU win. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me because I think if we compare the two and stats-wise and you look at the game, I think ASU seemed happier about the result in Sunday because it was just a fact of the ball just didn't find itself in the net, which happens at times. Yeah. But that's also not an excuse because, you know, sometimes you got to convert your chances, especially heading in and you're facing a team that was then ranked number 17, now ranked number seven. Um, but you're facing a team of that caliber. And I mean, the stats, I mean, even when I, when I was talking to you, cause I was unable to attend the game, I was like, wow. So this is, this game heavily favors LSU. And you said, well, I mean, stats wise, it's pretty even. It was just more uh, LSU knocking in their chances and they did frequently. And obviously ASU wasn't able to get back into, uh, back into the game, which I think was the biggest shocking point for me. Cause when you look at that stat line, you think it, it was heavily one-sided heavily easy game for LSU, but that was not the factor. And I, I don't think it is the factor because, I mean, if you look, LSU obviously jumped 10 spots. And part of that goes to what ASU has done too. I mean, it, it shows that it was a quality loss at the end of the day for ASU rather than a just a one-sided, you know, bad, bad loss that they can scrap away. No, this will be a quality loss. And you know LSU is going to keep performing as the season goes on. Yeah, that was going to be my next question or like my question for you is 
you mentioned LSU bouncing up to seventh, 10 spots from when they beat ASU. And does that just show how highly regarded this ASU team is amongst national rankings? Or is it more just that LSU has been an impressive team, you think? I like to think it's a combination of both for me, because I think when you look at one end, ASU, I think a lot of national people are realizing what they did last year and taking that into account. And ASU has had lopsided non-conference wins. I mean, yes, they haven't faced an opponent like LSU yet, but they still take that into account. They take into account what you did last year. So they they look at that. But also you look at LSU. It's three out of their four last games were on the road against ranked opponents. When you when you when you win those games and some of them pretty handily, you deserve to jump spots and you just you deserve to go up a little bit. So you got to credit, you got to credit LSU there. So I think it's a lot of what LSU has done, but also it's got to credit what ASU has done too, because I mean, um, if it wasn't, I mean, let's say that game ended up a draw, LSU's maybe jumping only what, two or three spots, if that, because, you know, it, it's a draw at the end of the day and LSU, uh, I mean, ASU kind of stopped the momentum and all that. So I, for me, at least is a combination. I don't know if you see it the same way. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think LSU's gotten on a hot streak at the right time and just beating ASU in Tempe kind of is a big a big win against a big opponent. And it shows that ASU is kind of considered to be maybe not the Pac-12 top tier yet, but like right underneath or very close to breaking into that. Is that yeah, exactly, exactly that. Um... I kind of want to ask you a question before I forget, and we can go, we can revert back to this. But we we keep mentioning that you know, ASU is not able to convert their chances, you know, and they they need to hold it on that. But they still have had twenty goals in six games. So, are you impressed more with what the attack has done, or do you feel that that's maybe the defenses they face has allowed too many opportunities that they've been able to kind of you know get those goals due to the due to all the chances that they've had. I mean, I think this year, more than we've seen in the last two seasons, it's actually been just a dominant offense who is just creating a lot of chances and scoring a lot of goals, but you clearly can't score all of them. And when you create a ton of chances, you have those games every once in a while, like LSU, where you're just not finding the net. I, that's about all I have to say on that, because last, last two years, we've seen games where ASU's out shooting opponents and scoring one, maybe two goals, similar to what we saw against LSU. But this year, it's kind of different. It's, that was the only game we've seen so far where that's been a, a, the biggest issue. Yeah, no, I, I I tend to agree exactly with what you mentioned, because at the end of the day, I mean, even in the LSU match, for instance, and I kind of want to uh, put this point out, credit to the goalkeeper, Molly Swift, obviously, because she had came up with nine saves. So, yeah, she had some incredible saves as well, just one-on-one in front of the goals. She she was part of the reason LSU, or she may be the whole reason LSU was able to hold on in that one. You know, exactly, exactly that, as you mentioned. It might it might be the key reason why. I think they only scored two goals in that game, but we have seen an attack that's been able to score and threat. I think it's a lot when both Wynn and Nicole Douglas are are both uh, starting off well, and, and that's they're they're both on form right now. So you take it, you take into account that I think that's when your attack is performing well. But 
obviously there's still some things to fix with their attack. You know, you, you can look at all the 20 goals in six games and you can be happy with it. But Graham Winkler will tell you themselves that it has not been perfect. It's still a work work in progress. I think a lot of a lot of it is getting to that point where if you have seven, if you if you had five shots in a game, are you confident that AOC is getting a goal? And I don't know if I can answer that. I don't know if, if you if you feel confident that they would get a goal if they only get five shots in a game. So it's it's having that, you know, confidence and understanding of the attack that no matter what, if we're not if if the defense if, if if it's more of a defense game, we still have a, t- uh, a faith in our counterattack transition play to get a goal. And I don't know if they're quite there yet. If, if I'm being real. Yeah, I know. I agree with what you're saying there. Yeah. So I mean, that's something that's going to be looking. We have to look forward to, and I think it's something that's going to be a big question mark heading into this weekend because I think they're facing two opponents that is going to truly put them to the test. Where at the end of the day, they could end up with two losses, or they could end up with two quality wins. Just, just the, just how the weekend's looking, especially where they're playing at in Tucson. We know it hasn't treated them well, but in the first game of the two Thursday tomorrow, as we're recording this, they are facing Nebraska. Obviously, a, a team that has a four and two record. A lot of these teams that Stenos face early on, they enter the game with a losing record, except you know an LSU team. So you have a Nebraska team four and two. They're capable of winning big, which we've seen in games where they've won 8-0, 5-0. They're also uh, capable of, of of losses, which they've had of, of late. But I think something that you pointed out, and I want to give you credit for, is that in the last two games, the Nebraska hasn't given up a shot on target. So what's going to be the biggest challenge for ASU in this game? I mean, it appears breaking down that tough Nebraska defense when – they did end up losing one of those games, 1-0 against their rival Omaha, which they conceded an own goal, but still held Omaha to one shot the entire time. And it wasn't even close to the net, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But it, that's going to be tough. It's going to be a good attack from ASU against a strong defense of Nebraska. And it's just going to be which side breaks first. Yeah, and it's if you're a Sun Devils and you give a first goal, you're going against a defense that's, doesn't barge too much or doesn't give you too much, that's going to be the issues because, I mean, in their games, in their six games, they have given up 56 shots. And, and so, but, I mean, you look you look at that, 56 shots, that, that happened uh, a vast majority in the first four games because you mentioned the Omaha game. So one shot, not on target. Look at the next game, it's not that much shot. So it's maybe this Nebraska team's out figuring out the defense. So they're going to, they're just getting better. And so they see what the Sun Devils are doing. Yes, they see that Sun Devils are attacking a lot and attacking well. But if, if they take away half those chances, will those Sun Devils be able to convert? And that's been our biggest question. And we talked about it already in this podcast. And, I, and it's the biggest question, I think, facing, uh, facing the Sun Devils as they approach this game. But I think another thing worth noting is as good as they are defensively, they've, they've got the job done attacking-wise. I mean, Nebraska is nearing 100 shots, and that's already in six games. They've, they've had 13 goals. Obviously, it's a team that is clicking, but fails to convert on chances sometimes. But they have some uh, some some threats up there. I mean, a lot of their goals are dispersed between their attackers, and it's it's not mainly just one person carried the load. I mean, you have Regan uh, Rabe. Sorry if I'm mentioning her name wrong, but she, she has the most goals with four goals, but it seems like it's spread out. So I think this Nebraska team can attack from various forms. And and kind of create threats through that. So you're, you're not just looking into one person saying that's the person we're defending. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, you said it there. Reagan Rabe has four goals, and then Eleanor Dale has three goals, two assists, and a third player on that attack, Abby Schwartz, has four assists, which leads the team, which that just shows how their attack is well-rounded. And it's not like you, like you mentioned, you're not just isolating and focusing in on one or two key players. You kind of have to be wary of everyone moving around. Yep, and you, and you mentioned it. You have to be worried about the creators. It seems like they have a few uh, creators that have great vision on the team that's able to create a lot of assists. I mean, having someone with four assists, it, I mean, just tells the tale right there. So I think this game is going to be very intriguing. Um, I know we typically give our predictions at the end, but I want to, I'm going to ask you right now, Jerry, you look at this Nebraska game, because I think this next, the next Texas Tech game is going to be even harder, uh, in my opinion. But you look at this Nebraska game, it seems like they're facing good defense. What's your prediction on what happens in this game? I think ASU's offense will prevail this game. And for the first time in just over two years, get a win in Tucson as the last win came on September 6th, which was two years ago, Monday of 20 or September 6th, 2019 in a 3-1 win against UCSD. It's it's crazy how much of a, uh, how much of a lack of offense kind of dis, uh, disappears in Tucson. But what were you saying? I was saying, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it wasn't UCSD. It was against UC Irvine, and it was a 3-1 win. But I think ASU will bounce back and win 2-1 this weekend. Oh, I like that. I think they'll break through that tough defense. And then even the Nebraska goalies, Sammy Hawk, in the four games she's played, she's allowed one goal with 24 saves. So that's, a, that's facing another tough goalkeeper, which even adds to what is a tough defense that doesn't give them much shots on target. So – that's just a completely different element to it. I am going to – this one's very close, but I do agree with you. I think it is going to be very tight, and I think this is going to be the game where they get a shutout. I think this is the game where it's going to be a 1-0, kind of reminiscent to the Mississippi State game, where I think this defense is due a great performance where Graham can come out saying he's happy, he's very happy with everyone's role in that defense. Because as I mentioned before, Graham was kind of – alluding that he's more mad about everyone's capability to go back and help out defensively because I think everyone has a role in in going back and helping the collective, you know, whether that, that be Nicole Douglas dipping back into the midfield and winning the ball or I mean, any of the wingers win, you know, catching up and uh, cutting down lanes for them. I mean, it seems that this is this is I feel like this is the game where they show that they can do it both defensively and get a goal when need be. Now, I think we will still come this next podcast. We'll still still be talking about how they had a few chances they could have converted. But I think that at the end of the day, they'll they'll convert the one that matters most. So, um, you know, and, and these games, I feel like we we always see the most unlikely goal scorers. So it'll be very interesting to see who's who finds the net in, in this game. So. Who's, who's your prediction for the goal scorer? Then you say some you say it's someone unusual or not your not the person you'd expect. Uh, I like to go bold and say uh, Berta Goodlocks, but uh, I'm not feeling that bold. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Callie Darst. I think off of set piece because I think this game is going to be set to – both chances are going to have set pieces. I think it's which defense or attack steps uh, – defense and attack step up in those set pieces. I think the Sentinels will have one that gets whipped in and kind of finds the feet of Callie who kind of rips one because she does have the power in those shots. We've seen it from time to time. So I think she'll be able to convert that. 
But uh, do, do, do you feel like it's going to be unlikely score? Are we going to see the uh, – I'm not – I haven't really thought too much. I think it will be 2-1, so I think it will probably be a goal from either Olivia or Nicole and then a second goal somewhere. Yeah, that's Another question I had for you kind of – we went into the predictions a little bit, but last season ASU goes eight games in a row to start the season without losing – then loses a get tough game against U of A, next game at UCLA and bounces back and has arguably one of their best games of the season. So my question was going to be, do you see another bounce back being here? But you already said that. Yeah, no, I think, I think when they lose, they, they lose. They it's it's they need to respond big because I think this is a statement game for them where they can say, hey, if, even if when we fall down were able to come back and, and be better. And that was just one loss because I think you can only afford some losses. I feel like this year in the non-conference uh, matchup and maybe, maybe you only could afford one or two losses realistically. Cause as much as I'd like to say, they can, you know, beat USC, UCLA and all those teams in the Pac-12 again, that's just not realistic to say I, that again. They can, they, I, I will, a little bit of a debate. I'll say they can beat them again, but they can beat them just as easily as USC, UCLA, Stanford could turn around and beat ASU. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As you mentioned, I think those games could could go either way. So you can't you can't be relying on having the same yeah results as last year. Is what I meant. You know, you can't yeah. you can't be relying on what happened last year to carry you to a tournament. So, uh, you know, I I just think for me, and it's nothing against what ASU is doing, but for, all those programs use USC, UCLA, and Stanford are alert of what you did, and they're going to respond better this year. So for them saying that they're going to win all three and guaranteeing that back, I think it's just unrealistic in my end. But I think this this they need to win this match because I think the Texas Tech one is going to serve as a harder game, and then you you face Colorado College, which I think you need to win, and then it's back it's onto that Pac-12 slate. So you need to finish this off pretty well. And this is going to be where where you kind of can gain some momentum heading into the heading into those games. So, I think this will be the big statement uh, game for them. But how do you how do you feel about you know kind of same question back to you? Do you feel do you feel that this will be the bounce back game for them? Yeah, I think they'll show their resilience and the depth will be a little too much for Nebraska. Exactly, and I kind of alluded to this Texas Tech game, right? And we we talked about this even before we even hopped on the show. But it seems like this is going to be the matchup that brings uh, brings a lot of attention for the Sun Devils because this is a again, as we mentioned, a good defense realistically, but attack attack that's clicking as well. They are currently uh, uh, Texas Tech. Excuse me, they'll play face Texas Tech on Sunday. Uh, Texas Tech, the Raiders are currently five wins and with one draw. They've beaten opponents like UTEP, Hartford, and Alvin Christian, but uh, they threw against UC San Diego in the double overtime. So when you look at this team, we we both mentioned that this is going to be a tough draw for them. It's going to be a tough game. What, what Why do you think that that is that way uh, for the Sun Devils? I mean, right now, Texas Tech is on a hot streak as well. Just like we saw with an LSU team, it was ranked Texas Tech's number 21 in the country, won their four in a row and have dominated. They've outscored their opponents 12 to one in those four games. It, it's a sol- another solid defense, another strong, strong back line that is just not giving teams many opportunities to score. So it's gonna be another game where ASU may not get a lot of chances. It's, are you taking advantage and finishing those chances that you do get and being clinical with them? 
And as you mentioned, it's a strong defense because, I mean, the goalkeeper has been great for Madison White for them, but she's only had to come up with nine saves in, in, in the six games she started. So, I mean, that's barely a shot a game. So that just shows you the defensive effort that they have. But uh, I think you highlighted defense. Well, I kind of want to highlight the attack because they have quite a few players that have shown up early. And I think it's been a key reason why they've been able to uh, pr perform well. You got someone like Kirsten Davis, who not only has four goals, but she has three assists. So, you know, she's going to be one, the main, uh, one of the mains, but I would say the main uh, playmaking threat for the for, against the Sun Devils, both in, uh, assisting and shooting, shooting the ball. But then they also have people like Macy Schultz, who has all three goals and one assist. They have two players with two goals in Sierra Castles and uh, uh, Sierra Castles and Ashley Williams. So they have the players that are threatening, and it's not just one of them, but they have four key contributors on that team. And there's a few that I'm leaving off with someone like Macy Blackburn, who has five assists. So you have all those key contributors on the attack that are performing very well. I think this is the game that we're going to see the Sun Devils have faced the most playmakers per se. You know, the one, the ones that a lot of, a lot of these midfielders and attack uh, are kind of a great unit where they're not afraid uh, any of them, uh, letting any of them take the rip, let, let any of them create the chance. So you can't just focus on one. You really need the, your midfield to kind of drop back and help the defensive. If not, they're going to outnumber you and going to kind of run over you defensively. So I think this is the one where, Defensively, this is where you need to defend as a unit and be strong and understand when to cut the lanes, when to go forward, and when to switch. Yeah, definitely. I personally think this might be the first game we've seen ASU soccer really missing Alexia Delgado's presence in that midfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, their captain. I mean, the one who's, who I think is communicating and kind of making sure everyone's in the right spot, kind of being that vocal leader. I mean, they still have a few of those players on the team. Don't get me wrong, but, I mean, I think it just it's, it means so much that, I mean, at least from what I've seen, the Sun Devils haven't given the badge to anyone else. And uh, and that, that also speaks to Alexa Delgado, who, uh, who Grant Winkler said should be re returning relatively soon, but we don't know exactly when that is. But uh, I think this will be the game that they truly do miss an Alexa Delgado in the midfield who – not only can she be very play uh, a playmaking threat, but she can come back and, and do her job very well. And kind of, she understands her role and kind of understands the other people's roles, roles so well that she sets up people very nice. So I think this is the game, as you mentioned, where um, nothing against Kiki Stewart. I think she's done well in her role, but Alexia Delgado just offers you something more. Yeah, exactly. That's you exactly kind of what I'm thinking as well. It's just that little bit extra that Alexia will bring. Exactly. Uh, something that kind of intrigued me that I want to ask, and then I, I, I seem like you have another question for me is, um, in the last, that this Sun Devil team doesn't create a lot of penalties. And um, in the last, the last time that they had a, a penalty, they brought it back to Eva Vanders. Van uh, they brought it to Eva Vanders and she missed the penalty. So let's, so I kind of was thinking it, it uh, in your head, you have a penalty this weekend. Are you giving it to Ava Van Dersen and you're gaining her confidence back? Or do you go to Nicole Douglas, who has converted one penalty, I believe, this season and is one uh, – no, actually, may, maybe two if, I, if I'm if uh, i correct. So who, who do you go Who do you go with when it come, uh, come penalty time? So for the in the LSU game this weekend, Nicole Douglas was actually subbed off about two, maybe three minutes right before the penalty was given. So she wasn't even on the field to take the penalty. So if there is a penalty, I do believe it'll be Nicole taking it again. 
Yeah. I, I just think for something that intrigues me is as a coach, when someone misses a penalty, you, you can gain their confidence by giving them the ball back and saying, uh, converting and, you know, have them ready if need be. Cause you know, someone like Nicole Douglas, maybe subbed out injury. You never know, especially with this team who's faced a lot of injuries, but you want to have someone who's a confident taker. And I'm not saying if a doesn't have confidence. I mean, you look at the goal that she, she made after her penalty miss. So it was impressive. But, uh, but when 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 she gets that ball back, you know that the penalty miss is will be in the back of her mind because this game is as much as a mental game as it is physical. So that that aspect intrigues me. I'm not, and I agree with you. I think Nicole Douglas will take it with, uh, without a doubt. But it, it may be an interesting conversation to be had if they have maybe two penalties. One penalty they, they give to Nicole Douglas, well, they give it to Ava Manders and kind of regain her confidence in those set pieces because. I think the set pieces is a bit, a, a bit of an intrigue for the Sun Devils because back last year we had Lucy Johnson and Alexia Delgado whip in the, cross, in the corners. But this year we've seen Kiki Stewart kind of take take that liberty, take that role. So I think that's something they're still figuring out attacking-wise, but also defending. So I think that's something worth watching, at least heading into this weekend. Oh, yeah. And then like one other thing I wanted to add on Texas Tech is they're only – the only game they didn't win this season was on the road against at Sandy at UC San Diego. Do you think there's any road worries for Texas Tech? Yeah, I, I would like I to think. I guess it's at a neutral venue in Tucson, but that's true. But at the same time, they're still traveling all the way to Arizona, and it's it is gonna have the feel of a away game. I feel uh, for them at least. So I think it will be in the back of the minds, as as I mentioned, it's much as a uh, as much as a mental game as it is a a physical and skill game, skill based game. So that will be there, but and especially when you come, it's not going to be the hundred degree kind of temperatures in ASU where you fit. Uh, it's they have that advantage too going their way. I think that element helps them a little bit, but you're a different team on the road as you are at home. So I think that element is going to be into play with this one. So I think if if they struggle a little bit, it might it might be just that factor of, you know, hey, maybe it's because we're, we're not back at our home. Maybe they go a little slow. I don't know. I mean, you, you know, uh, we can we've seen it with the Sun Devils. This is just a different team when they're when they're not at that their Sun Devils stadium. So but do you feel that that's going to be a factor heading into this one? I don't really. I think. Texas Tech will kind of with it being with it being a neutral game and not more of a neutral game I guess I don't think it'll be too too much of a worry for them but that's a good point now I you meant you mentioned a little bit of prediction what what what, what do you predict in this game I predict a Texas Tech win I think it'll be three to two oh. three two or three one to the Red Raiders yeah and and we're not doom and gloom here, and we're not attending to me, but I tend to agree with you. I think it's this game is going to be another huge test. I think they're some of us are going to be on the high of beating in Nebraska. I think they'll be a little happy, and then come Raiders time, especially in, in Tucson, which the Sun Devils and Tag has some question marks to answer when playing there. I just think that the Raiders will be a little too much for them, and it's not going to be a, a terrible. Uh, a, a bad loss to have obviously it's a quality loss you know and I think that's important to know too but I think it's going to be as you mentioned I think maybe a 2-0-2-1 match um, I don't think they're going to be handled too much uh, as LSU did on the score sheet but I think it'll be a, t- a close one yeah so 
just one more question quickly off yeah. the top of my head for you is a lot you say they do end up losing to Texas Tech. You now have two non-conference losses, both uh, one at home against now ranked number seven LSU and one at home against currently number one or number 21 Texas Tech. What how many losses do you think they can realistically get the rest of the way through the Pac-12 if you have these two kind of quality losses, but yeah, it's it, I think that question's more answered by how many do they beat quality wins. You know what I'm saying? Because I think what elevated them last year was the quality wins against the programs I mentioned, the AUSC, the UCLA, the Stanford. And I, I think this year, I right now the way LS, uh, Stanford played this pre- previous weekend, they almost beat number two UNC at Chapel Hill. I think that's just going to be that game. You highlight that, and it's going to be at Stanford. I just don't see them winning that. So, but you got two teams in USC and UCLA at home. I think they can they can sort of take care of business, maybe win one, draw one. And so looking at that, I think they got to beat teams like Washington. They got to beat the Oregon schools and they got to beat Utah. And in, in my opinion, they got to beat Arizona. They got to get over the hump of beating their, their rival school. I, now I think they can afford maybe two to three losses. I don't, I don't think they can, they have the luxury of last year they can go on on a little losing streak at the end of the season and still still make it to the tournament. So that's the way I look at. I'm gonna push the question back at you. Yeah, I think probably they can get away with maybe two or three more losses as long as you get a couple big wins and beat you one of the USC's or UCLA's at home because you have both of those here in Tucson or in Tempe. So getting two good wins or one win in a draw against two good teams could very well be enough to just propel them forward. If they do lose to say Stanford or drop another. And I agree with you on two on against Arizona. That'll be a huge game. It's a six game, currently a six game losing streak for the Sun Devils against that team down South. And is month, let's say hypothetically, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but if they don't make the tournament, you've got to put hang your hat on some stuff and you got to highlight some things and beating Arizona, I think it's something that needs to accomplish and something that coach Winkler has probably talked about the team because, you know, it means so much to them. I mean, when we talked to Jess Hill on this podcast last year, yeah, she mentioned how her favorite game is Tucson. And, and that's something that they haven't been able to accomplish a win during her time here is against that team. So you need to be your, your biggest rival and a team that, that had had your number and you're doing it odd to some where you've struggled. So that could be a huge statement for the Sun Devils. Even, even if they make, if they make the tournament, that's a huge statement heading into the tournament. So I think that's going to be something that can propel them to the next, to the next level of where Graham wants to see them. Yeah. I, I think that's like you said, if the season kind of turns upside down and things aren't going your way, you, Sir, that not that it's not already circled, but that last game of the season just gets even bigger. Uh, no, absolutely. So, obviously, we've got it. We've done quite a big, long podcast, so we'll start wrapping it up. But Jerry, any final thoughts? Uh, you know, heading into uh, a big weekend for the Sun Devils. Um, not really. I think it's just going to be interesting to see how the team responds to that loss against LSU. Absolutely. And that's going to be a factor that I think is going to be highlighted as, as we, as we move forward. So a big, big lot, a big lot, well, 
excuse me, a, a, a loss, it's all about how they bounce back from it, which is going to be the biggest statement for the Sun Devils. But that's going to be something as we talk about talk about next time. But this will wrap it up for this episode of Inferno Soccer Insiders. From your co-host, Jerry Walker, and myself, Edwin Perez, thank you for tuning in. And as I mentioned, we, we've added quite a few members to our AC Soccer conversation. So be on, on the heads up because we, all those newcomers are going to be adding even better, more coverage into our great AC Soccer coverage. So we're going to provide more more game recaps but even more features that we're working on so make sure to check out infernointel.com for all your asu soccer coverage needs but that will wrap it for this episode thank you and we will see you next week